Hi, I'm Natasha Wall and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. In this episode, I talk to Lenny Abrahamson about adapting Sally Rooney's best-selling novel, Normal People, his 12-part series for the BBC. Hi Lenny, hi. Hi Natasha. Hi, how are you? Good, Good. to see you. And you as well, how are things? Yeah, grand, grand. All, all well, considering, I suppose. Thank you so much for, for talking to us at the Film Ireland podcast. Not at all, pleasure. Um, I was lucky enough to see the first four episodes, and I'm so excited to see the rest of it. And I suppose I've been anticipating this from the point of view that I uh, read the book sometime last year, and I've been really excited to see what you guys have been doing with it. So I suppose, first of all, we'll start off with what attracted you to the book and what made you want to turn it into a TV series as opposed to a film? Um, I think the things that really struck me about the book were just a combination of, of just a very real clarity of style that's, that Sally has in her writing and a simplicity of, well, it's seemingly sim- simple sort of direct way of writing about these characters in the world they're in. And at the same time, she manages to get to great sort of depths about them and about um, the themes that she's exploring and, and, and creates, I suppose, above all, a real sense of, of intimacy with them and between them. It's intimate in several mm-hmm. respects in that, well, you know, it, it's about intimacy, but it's also a very intimate encounter for us with them. And I think the way she does that, the directness of it, the sort of the sense that she doesn't stand between you and what's happening, it's something that I try to, or think, appeals to me because in the work that I do, I think I work in something of a similar way and then I, I try to, to disappear um, and, and, and give the audience a, a sense of, of encountering the characters directly, at least in, in, in a sort of strong strand of what I've done. That, that's the kind of central push. Mm. So those two things really fit together. And I found, I mean, that, that's the kind of, you know, one way of saying it, the other way of saying it is just that I, I really was moved by it. I mean, I was moved by the two characters. I, I just thought, and I think she did something very, she's done something very important in the novel in that she's taken very seriously the intellectual and emotional lives of, of two very young people. And she's done justice to the, you know, to the, the kind of depth of their relationship, even when they're at their most naive at the beginning of the story and they're very much still high school, in quotes, kids, there's no kind of, uh, she doesn't like take her foot off the pedal in terms of showing how much is at stake in, in you know, really at stake uh, as human beings for, for these two. And yeah, so there was that. And then I think I was attracted to it because I, it, the idea of telling a story here in Ireland and shooting here, um, all sorts of reasons. And then television was always from the moment Ed and I, was Ed Guiney from Element Pictures, who showed me the book, I mean, um, and, and who I've done everything with. Um, when Ed showed me or, or suggested I read the book, from that point on, it, it felt like it was television in that the book is pretty episodic and, and very episodic, and it moves through maybe four years of their lives. There's no big sort of obvious dramatic center it's a series of 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 kind of encounters with these two characters and that felt like it would work really well in episodic television and also episodic television gives you at least we we had plenty of screen time to tell the story and 
that gives you a chance to go into really minute detail. Like it doesn't feel like you're compressing the book. It feels like you're really moving along through it and with it. And, and that, that felt good. Yeah. I kind of feel like you can, you have the ability now to take your time with all of this intimacy that you're talking about. And that's because it's such like everything between them is so loaded and it's nice exactly. to be able to, because the I, one thing I did notice was that the, there are parts of their conversations that actually go on for quite a long time. And, it, you know, without kind of, there's nothing that breaks them up. Yeah, that's right. Especially actually in the episodes that you're about to watch, like in five, there's one really chunky, really important conversation. It's probably my favorite scene in the series in that it's just two people talking to each other um, very honestly, which again, you don't tend to see in drama because I suppose the cliche is that drama is not a cliche. It's, it's largely true. It's about people not saying the things that they're thinking and hiding their feelings from each other and, and all that. Whereas this is this scene particularly is just two people talking very honestly, and it's very powerful to watch. I'm looking forward to that one. And I suppose in that vein, one thing that I was really excited to see, and I think you've, you've really nailed it is that, you know, Marianne and Connell throughout the, the book have this very unique energy and dynamic in their relationship. And I was wondering how, or what did you think about or what was important to you when you were adapting their chemistry for the screen? Um, I think it was to, you can't explain why people are drawn to each other. You can kind of see the shape of the connection, but I think there's always a danger of going, Hey, let's work out what it is about Marianne that, you know, or there's that kind of approach sometimes to storytelling where it's all about creating these, these kind of uh, perfectly defined spaces into which other perfectly defined shapes fit. But in their case, what, was worth exploring was just like the degree to which the honesty, the sort of intellectual honesty that they have with each other or the capacity to speak to each other in a way which is more probing, more truthful, more self-exposing than what normally goes on in school, fed into the kind of the erotic and the kind of the kind of like the, the the excitement of the relationship, like how important the the meeting of minds is to their mm. um, and how exhilarating it is for them to find somebody else who can like follow their thought, um, anticipate it, come back with something which like kind of completes it or teases it or whatever. That was so that element of their chemistry was so kind of particular. And it's very easy to sort of think of these two things as separate. You know, you have your character's relationship and, and there's a kind of um, like obvious sexual attraction and then you kind of cut to the sex scenes or, or that's this other yeah. dimension to, their, to the storytelling. But actually it was to weave the two of those things together that I thought was the most intriguing. And also then it, it comes down to the actors, you know, it comes down to finding actors who can, who can find between them this kind of level of, of of in tuneness, you know, and uh, and in that way we're really lucky. And and once you have that, and you have that feeling on screen that there's something actually occurring between them, then that's the material out of which you're sculpting the story. You know, that's not something you can kind of invent. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. You know, it's it's hard to to create chemistry when there is none anyway. 
Um, and was that like, did you, when it came to casting, because I, I know you, you, you know, you were casting uh, students from the Lear and I suppose Paul Meskell wasn't a student when you cast him, but he was a graduate from there anyway. Yeah. He, um, he but was there it. anyone you found first? Did you find, did you find Paul first? Did you find Daisy first? Yeah. I mean, we looked everywhere. Like, so um, the Lear and we saw Bow Street people and we saw people from all over. And in fact, I think we tried we cast, we threw our net actually out to every English speaking major territory like the States, Australia, all sorts of things. Primarily actually for Marianne because Connell came very early, like Paul, when the casting process started, self-tape started to come in, like sorted and and uh, into lists of really kind of good people and suggested people by Louise Kiley and 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 uh, she uh, would sort of you know hone like sort of send me lists of people she thought were worth looking at. And one of the first self tapes I watched was actually Paul, and he was so good, and so um, he just made such brilliant choices about how he played Connell that I felt we had him you know pretty much from the start. Although we couldn't really say that until we knew that we had somebody that worked with him. So it was a long process of bringing Paul back to read with people and whatever, but looking for Marianne, it just took longer and we saw brilliant people, but nobody that felt like she was the other side of that particular couple. And until we saw Daisy and that was about, that was a, that was a couple of months, maybe three months after we started casting. Like it was a really quite close to the end when we got the two of them together. And, uh, once they were together, I felt like this was brilliant. And I remember Paul, I remember talking to Paul and I had such a strong feeling about it because we'd read him with, I think about four or five brilliant women who, all of whom could have played Marianne. And I met Paul the next day and I was going to tell him who we, or a few days later, tell him who we'd cast. In fact, tell him we'd cast him because we now knew we had our pair and he was so relieved. And because uh, he'd been <laughs> strung along for ages, getting called back, the only person called back for like, the last sort of six weeks. And instead of saying who it was, I, I sort of took the risk and said, uh, who would you like it to be? Because the worst thing would have been him saying somebody else. But he was straight in with Daisy and I, yeah. So that was... Totally was good. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk as well about shooting. And because I actually, I was at, uh, you probably spotted me at the Screen Directors Guild. Um, yeah. Q&A. And you had a really interesting, uh, you spoke very interestingly about how you wanted to shoot this and what was important to you when you decided, when you were thinking about how you wanted to shoot this. Um, and... You know, everything is very, there's a lot of, there's a very shallow depth of field in mm -hmm. all people and everything feels very subjective. Mm. And I suppose, I know you were talking about particular lenses that you used yes. and things like that. So, and you know how it was versus film versus television. Yeah. Um, so do you think you could talk a bit about that? Sure. So I worked really closely with Susie Lavelle, who's this brilliant director of photography. So we started, like we had a good few weeks together and talked about every aspect of it and watched stuff and looked at photographs and went through the script and did all the stuff that it's great to be able to do in advance. And Susie was pretty clear from the beginning that she wanted to shoot on these lenses. They're called K35s. They're, I think they're old Canon. Actually, I'm not sure what the glass is, but they're, they're amazing. They're just, 
first of all, there's quite a limited, we use quite a limited range of focal lengths. And I liked that. I liked the fact that we had sort of, we, we really shot it across, I think it was like a, like a 35 and a 55, something like that. They were our, our lenses that we use most of the time. And we had a few either side of those. They just give, they're also, they're old and they just give this beautiful texture to the image. And, you know, when you're shooting digitally, we, we shot on Alexa, it's nice to be able to take the edge off it a little bit. And, and that shallow depth of field, it's really interesting. I mean, you can dial it up and down depending on which lens you're on. And, you know, you can, you can give a bit more stop if you need it. And, and obviously it's, it's mostly in the closer shots where you feel it, you know, or the, uh, on the slightly longer lens where you feel it. And, it does allow you to create this sense of intimacy and extreme kind of a sort of privacy, you know, that you're yeah. watching or participating in the, in the private world of the person that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that they were important. And then just the look generally was quite a sort of, it was a subtly controlled look. We didn't want lots of big contrast on in sets. Uh, we wanted the sets to be sort of, uh, you know, not like when we were shooting, we we tried to remove sort of very bold contrast. And it was, we thought carefully about color, but not in any way that would sort of either impose rules about what particular colors meant or anything like that, which I really have no, it doesn't interest me as a filmmaker. I don't think that's just your private game. And also... But but we just did it in such a way that it, I don't think it feels stylized, but it does. It is it is very controlled. The images are quite controlled. And then we shot lots of handheld, um, which just gives you that. I mean, from from a sort of shooting point of view, it just gives you that. If it's right as a feeling, it it's just great because it gives you that. The the Susie operated herself, and I really like working with DPs when who operate because they're usually like they're not as an operator will will be conscious of of not doing anything which the DP would feel like. There's an etiquette, you know. You don't go further in a pan than would be comfortable for the DP, but the DP will do it because if they're operating and they're really focused on what's happening, they'll make the call that that doesn't matter, and they'll sort of go with the action. That they'll they'll risk it more often, and also just handheld allows you to to like lean into what literally lean in you know, to take a little step or to reframe. And it means that the actors aren't under, you know, quite the same sort of rigid rule about marks and, and position because the, the DP can do so much or the operator can do so much to, to and, and that feeling of finding rather than presenting for an audience is um, felt right for this. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I really felt that when I was, when I was watching it, it felt it did feel more intimate, intimate. And as you said, it definitely felt more private. Like you're definitely within their spheres yes. either on their own or when they're with one another. Yeah. Um, and that's, it felt like a real privilege. And I didn't actually feel voyeuristic, which sometimes that can feel. And it didn't, it didn't at all then, which is great. Yeah. I think as well, it's, it's about how you do those frames because it's a funny balance. And like, sometimes the shot really works and sometimes it doesn't. It's very hard to describe what the difference is. I think the thing that makes it less voyeuristic sometimes is just you just have to feel the integrity of the of the of the view. You know, you have to feel that 
the implied kind of watcher or whoever it is that you're watching this through is it's kind of there's a tenderness towards the characters and a kind of concern and and an interest also just forensically in trying to understand really what's happening and i think once you're doing that you avoid the danger of that voyeurism mm. you know so yeah it's a really interesting question what turns something from being intimate to being kind of unpleasantly or kind of awkwardly intrusive yeah but yeah no it, it didn't not at all i thought it was just a really nicely framed position we're in when it comes to their relationship like you're kind of beside them rather than watching yes um, yeah you know really really great um and i think that really lends itself to i suppose how you're constructing that intimacy that sally has created so lastly i think before we leave you I suppose, what was it that you, what that, why did you decide or did you decide yourself to do the first half of their journey as opposed, like from school up until college and rather than from say the middle of college till the end? Um, well, in a really sort of basic way, you know, if you, if you, if you go first, you, you set it up. So if you go first, you do the casting and pick a lot of crew who will stay for the whole thing like Heshi had Heshi worked with Kate McCullough and they both did an amazing job so different GP different first AD but everybody else was pretty much the same so I think going first just means that I, I could kind of I suppose shape it and and set a sort of feeling and and cast it and do all that stuff and be um, involved from the beginning I would have been involved from the beginning in in as an executive producer anyway but in a different way and I think I did like flirt with the idea of doing all of it, but I, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, I think the second half of the story is quite shifts in tone and it was just felt interesting to give it to another, you know, to somebody who's really good and allow her to sort of impose her view on it. And also just from a practical point of view, uh, it, we would have had to take a, a big hiatus, like, um, I wouldn't have been able to prep all 12 in one go. Sure. It just, and it would have been, and, I, and I'm and sort of as well, uh, I felt like I could really do, I could squeeze for myself, like all the juice out of it um, from a kind of filmmaking point of view and understand, you know, the practice and process of making it work. I felt like I really got the full experience by doing the six, but I did find it, I did find it odd and and tough in a way to hand over because it's just you get so attached to the characters and yeah and the actors and it's yeah. so weird to be at home you know when and know that it's still going on and you're not there yeah yeah I suppose if it was me I would you know if I was directing that I would get complete FOMO I would get fear of missing out oh yeah and I would be you know totally. with the cast I'd be like do you like her better than you like me is that what <laughs> I know it's like what do you mean you're laughing what do you mean it was a great day yeah it's just that when you ask someone it's like is she good and you're dying for someone to say well no she's rubbish and you're like yeah no. I well what you know what you want is she's great she's been she's not as good as you but she's very you know you want yeah, that yeah. you want so that you can go oh stop you know yeah yeah, yeah. No, that, that. No, they, they loved her, so so I didn't have that pleasure. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I suppose I think my last question really briefly is what's next for you? Oh, well, that's an easy one. I mean, there's a bunch of things that I, and of course I keep saying I don't want to do any more literary adaptations, but I'm doing conversations with friends because we're, oh, we're going to, the same team are going to do it. So Amazing. Uh, 
I, I couldn't uh, say no. Okay. It's too good. And I've, I've enjoyed being in Sally's world for, you know, so much that I want one more go of it before I say goodbye. Brilliant. Oh, that's kind of, that's absolutely brilliant um, to hear. Is that going to be a series as well? Yeah. Same shape, probably, uh, probably similar, similar sort of pattern. Yeah. And will you film it here? Uh, yes. Um, not exactly sure yet. Uh, it will be on the island for sure. Um, just not sure exactly where. Still very early days. Still working on the adaptation. Okay, cool. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, Lenny, thank you so much uh, for um, for talking to us. And it's been a pleasure as always listening to you. And I suppose just mind yourself uh, in these strange days we're in. And you, Natasha. Yeah. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you very soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.